This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. I'm Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is episode 30 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and this summer I want to introduce you all to some friends of mine. I know, I know, Bree's feeling sociable. Somebody check her temperature. I promise you I'm neither feverish nor manic. I'm just hoping to signal boost some of the amazing people I've met through the witchcraft community over the past year. To that end, I sat down with the absolutely darling Sedna Wu, who I met through SASCON in August of 2021. She's a really fabulous person. We had a great conversation, and she had a lot of really interesting things to say. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Couple quick announcements, as usual. I'll be at the Midsummer Witch Market at Diversity Richmond in Richmond, Virginia on Sunday, June 26th from 12 to 5 p.m. I'll have my usual selection of books and kits and other witchy goodies. Plus, you can stop by and say hi in person. Take a selfie, ask questions, all that good stuff. And trust me, it's not a bother in the slightest. I absolutely love meeting my readers and my listeners in real life. It sparks so much joy. So if you're going to be in the area, by all means, stop by, say hello. There's going to be some really amazing people there. The May Oddities Market in the same location was just bonkers. We all had a great time. And Christy Higgins of the Progress Index wrote a really lovely article about the event, which you can find linked on my WordPress and in the show notes. Thank you, Christy, for stopping by and for featuring my booth and my quote in your piece. It's the first time I've made the papers. I'm really excited. Quick reminder to all my international listeners that if you'd like to order my books and keep your hard-earned monies out of Amazon's coffers, you can always visit the Willow Wings Witch Shop and buy them from me. I can't ship internationally without incurring ridiculous customs and shipping fees, but 
If there's a KDP hub in your country, I can ship books directly to you with only the minimum shipping fee that I attach to domestic orders. So for reference, that's Canada, the UK, Germany, Spain, France, Italy, and Australia. I'll link the shop in the show notes as usual. So let's get started. We did have a few minor audio issues during the session, so please excuse any odd noises. And there was one spot where the audio dropped out just before we were going to start talking about the parallels between psychotherapy and shadow work. Oh, and before we dive into the interview, producer Penny wanted a word. Hi, Penny. Oh, she might say hello if we're very lucky. Penny? There she <gasps> oh is. Oh my gosh, that was so cute. Good girl. Good pen pen. So, Sedna, the question that I ask all of my guests, because it's just a, a wonderful, fun thing to uh, to see, you know, kind of how everyone got here. How did you begin your journey with witchcraft? I like to say that I was sort of a witchy kid, and I think a lot of us probably were. And if I list off my like witchy child attributes, I bet that I probably have a lot in common with some listeners of your podcast, but oh, I, do. <laughs> of course I would make potions, do foraging, try to com commune in the woods with the Fae. Uh, I grew up in a really rural area. So I sort of had that feral childhood where I was just, you know, like, especially in the summertime, like the sun comes up and you just go out for miles and then you just sort of come home when the sun goes down. Um, and then you have to like hose off <laughs> your hands and feet before you're allowed back into the house kind of a thing. Uh, we would, you know, do exploring and old ruins of houses that we would find. And we would, you know, go in the woods and find, you know, drainage ditches and just all sorts of things to get into. And we survived somehow. And then also, you know, being a teen, like... This was the time period when you had like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you know, like Buffy. It was that end of the 90s where the aesthetics were also very like witchy. Oh, yes. I, I remember <laughs> it fondly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there was like a lot of, you know, fashion to be had in that sort of aesthetic. If you wanted to be an edgy teenager, you could wear a lot of black you could go to the mall and find, you know, jewelry that maybe had symbols on it and you didn't really know what they meant, but you knew that they were like, you know, something that maybe your super religious grandmother like wouldn't want to see you wearing. Oh, it's the stuff that made the parents nervous by all means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I think that my mom is like a covert witch because um, she was sort of going through her rebellious time like in the 70s right and so I remember when I started being interested in these types of things and fashions it's like in my teen years and she was like oh I have something for you and she kind of got deep into her jewelry box and came out with this like absolute like hippie crystal necklace um, that I wore around all the time when I was a teenager <laughs> oh that's just freaking cool yeah, yeah. Oh, and there was all nice. those like fairy books and things like that. Uh, like oh yeah, 
I loved reading about folklore. And yeah, it was just something that I was really passionate about kind of all my life growing up. And then when I got to college, I actually like met some Wiccans and I was like, wait, this is real. Like magic is real. And I, um, you know, started doing my quote research at that time where I got into a lot of like um, probably not great sources in the college library, (laughs) Um, which actually you've been talking about on your podcast, too. So (laughs) or I guess the podcasts of yours I've been listening to recently, but this will (laughs) be. This will be forward in times so that might not be a relevant reference. <laughs> oh, it's always relevant. It's always relevant to uh, to talk about how we started and to talk about, you know, uh, to talk about sources, especially. And mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is um, something if uh, if we're going to go by actual timelines, it's something I talked about uh, just this month since we're recording in May of 2022. Uh, it's something I just talked about with my senpai, Trey Dorn. Um mm-hmm you know, the the stuff we start out with versus what we have to unlearn and re-examine and so forth later on. You know, when we're starting, we all kind of have to just work with what we have, you know, and whether that's the, you know, the super problematic stuff that you have to, like, unlearn everything and basically start from scratch later, Or if it's just, hey, you know, this was in my college library and it kind of talks about the subject, but it doesn't really give a comprehensive view. Or if you're one of those lucky people that, you know, you find a really good book that has some staying power and you can still look at it five years later and be like, yep, that's still good. You know, it's it's however you get into it is valid. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I think that the references that I got, I found when I was in college, I think they were just missing a lot of context that and I was really young and naive. And I thought I was uncovering like big secrets, you know? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And we we all all feel like that at first. Yeah, exactly. Because you want to be a part of like this big, like revolutionary thing. So it was Mm -hmm. really exciting. Mm -hmm. So I can still look back on that fondly for sure. Oh, yeah. It's still it is such a cool feeling because it's it's discovering this whole new sort of perspective on the world. And it feels just a little bit like sneaky and maybe maybe not. um, I'm not sure if transgressive is the word I want to use, but it feels like you're getting away with something if you were raised like really strictly Mm -hmm. in a particular faith or if you were raised kind of conservative or if you just don't have experience with this whole idea that magic and witchcraft are real and then suddenly just like there it is and Mm -hmm. oh wow this is like you said this is this is actually a thing Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it it definitely serves like you've discovered a secret yes I think it serves as like a counterculture like type of absolutely and absolutely hitting the nail on the head I was raised you know and I don't want to say it was conservative Christian I mean the community that I grew up with is conservative Christian and my parents, I'm sure if you asked them, they would say that they were conservative Christian, but, and they wonder like, how did I end up the way that I was? But they were the (laughs) ones that were adamant about me growing up on like PBS television. Like we would watch every Nova documentary (laughs) and my dad is a huge Star Trek nerd. Like guys, what did you think was going to happen if you're letting me watch all this? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that is what happens if you, you know, if you allow your children to have this broad view and mm-hmm. you encourage them to ask questions and to make their own decisions, you know, you shouldn't really be surprised if when they are older and out on their own and in a position to, you know, start making their own life choices as far as what they believe and what path they want to take, you shouldn't be surprised if it looks a lot different from, you know, what you were raised with as uh, as their parent. And I think that's a, a conversation that a number of us who have, like, gotten to the point of being able to discuss it with our parents uh, have, you know, that's that's a conversation we've had to had. I mean, I certainly had to have it with my mother. Um, but yeah, and speaking of you're you're saying uh, college library books, late 90s, a lot of the <laughs> sources then were uh, kind of heavily Wicca based, like Wicca mm-hmm. was kind of the only thing out there at yes. the time. And, I would you know, say... Wic- Wicca and witchcraft were still very much synonymous in the public consciousness. Was uh, was that something that you encountered or did that influence the path you decided to take? Yeah, I think that synonymous is a good word. I think that, you know, probably most of the literature in this, you know, school library that I had access to um, was either written by Wiccans or like heavily influenced by, you know, people that were in the organization. You know, anytime you have some organization and some funding, then, you know, you're going to have more resources to be able to create books like this and um, maybe more legitimacy because you are like a, an organization. Um, oh, hi, Penny. I'm just speculating. <laughs> <laughs> she agrees with me. See, she's chiming in to agree with me. Yeah, well, she she is a very learned little kitty cat and she has uh, she does have a habit of sitting on my books. So I wouldn't be surprised if she pulled some of that in through osmosis, if, if nothing else. <laughs> um. But you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, Wicca is recognized as a religion protected under the First Amendment in the uh, in the United States. They are still kind of working on other forms of paganism being uh, protected under freedom of religion, freedom of speech and so forth. Um, And it's a little more difficult because, you know, paganism is such a loosely defined term and it's an umbrella term and you you know if you just say well I'm a pagan or I'm a witch there's a million different things that that could mean and that's very hard to codify and protect under law whereas you know Wicca is technically an organized religion that you know it has an organization it has particular laws and statutes it has you know an organization people can point to and be like you know, this is exactly what it is. This is exactly what it means with a certain amount of, you know, interpretation and wiggle room, of course, but, you know, still. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm not shocked that, you know, most of the literature out, out there was Wiccan and a lot of it continues to carry uh, what I like to call sort of Wiccan fingerprints it's like it may not exactly be Wicca, but it has a lot of influence from that because that's like the major uh, group that kind of influenced the modern witchcraft movement. And as much as we all kind of go, you know, eh, not all witches are Wiccans. Please don't call me that if I'm not. We still owe 
so much to Wicca for like, you know, kind of getting things out there. So it's not a bad thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like doing some of that footwork. And even though I was doing research into Wicca, I uh, was hanging out with these Wiccans. Um, I was still like definitely like an outsider looking in like to that whole scene and I didn't identify like with it like as you know I wasn't I wasn't like getting ready to you know become Wiccan or to like join join a coven or anything like that Um, but I was just learning a lot and being open to it and just having my worldview changed um, at that time period and actually at the time I was still like I would have still considered myself Christian even though I was definitely like in the throes of my deconstruction I was probably like I was probably in the process of deconstruction from like maybe age 13 to age oh I think the last nail in, in the coffin was maybe age 26 it was a really long drawn out process but we got there eventually. Um, but when I did lose my belief and I was like, you know, using the the big A atheist word to describe myself, like um, like I was seeking out connections and meeting atheists and consuming a lot of that type of content. Like, I guess the hardest part of that was like having all of my supernatural beliefs like fall away. Um, and it was, you know, it's a good thing. Like I, I felt better after not being bound up with my supernatural beliefs anymore, but it was like, oh no, like now do I have to lose this part of myself that like did, you know, believe in these magical things. And is this now silly? Is this now like, you know, apart from me? And I still kind of wanted to do the witchy things and research the witchy things I just was sort of keeping them in separate places in my mind at that time in my life okay so we actually met through uh just to take a a slight turn uh we actually met through the uh the sass witch con that went on in uh, August of 21 which is this uh this lovely gathering of uh, uh, of a number of people in the community who approach witchcraft from a uh, a secular, atheist, skeptical, or science-minded, hat sassy, uh, <laughs> point of view. And you gave a very interesting talk about uh, the sort of intersections between witchcraft and magic and psychology in uh, in modern craft and and about approach, approaching uh, witchcraft from an atheist angle as well. Can you can you speak to how you got into that sort of bent a little bit? Yes. Um, so not only like an atheist witch uh, diversion, but like my practice is completely void of any sort of supernatural belief, um, and that includes like like heavy manifestation and um you know I don't I don't practice like law of attraction or uh anyway yeah we'll get into that but um I like I said I I still like to do the witchy things um I still charged up my crystals under the full moon even though I didn't have any supernatural belief and I just thought you know I just want to do this because I enjoy it but I understand that this actually isn't doing anything um and then I just happened to catch a story on NPR about a Harvard study um, where they were taking writers who are suffering like extreme writer's block 
and they were having the writers, like they weren't just doing a placebo study. They were having the writers placebo themselves. So they had the writers like design their own placebo. They they knew it was, there was no active ingredient. It was like they were ritualizing, like, you know, the placebo effect and like harnessing it. And when you know that you're taking a placebo, it's called an open label placebo. And what the study found was that it works just as well as when you don't know that what you're doing is a placebo. And so I'm driving in my car and like listening to the story and I was like, that's it. That's what I've been doing. I've been placeboing myself. So like I've been charging up my water and my crystals under the full moon. And the whole time I'm telling myself, like, I enjoy doing this, even though I know it doesn't do anything. But that wasn't true because it actually was doing something like it was helping me, you know, have a sense of control where I might lack control. It was like helping me comfort myself. Um, it was helping me like double down on things I was supposed to be doing, you know, like holding help me hold myself responsible. So like, even though it was a placebo, like that's still very much doing something. And that was just sort of like an unlock in my brain. I did a little bit of researching and by researching, I mean, Googling, not actual, like, <laughs> you know, hey, not Googling counts, Googling, counts. <laughs> right. you're still know, looking a, things up. Yeah. There's a scientific term researching where you're conducting studies. That's not what I was doing. I was in fact looking for resources. <laughs> which you were is, studying. Yes, so I was studying, um, not conducting a study. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it kind of helped me with my practice, but mostly it kind of legitimized what I had already been doing. And I just felt so excited about it that I kept trying to Google, you know, atheist witchcraft, placebo witchcraft. And at the time, I couldn't get anything to come up, even though like clearly there were other people working with this. And that we're making content out there, but just Google wasn't taking me to that part of the internet yet. So I decided to like be the content that I wish to see in the world. And I just started up this YouTube channel, um, partially just because I wanted to share what I was doing. And also partially because I wanted people that were also doing this to find me. And then we could talk about <laughs> talk about what we were doing. And it worked really well. That is fabulous. <laughs> That is awesome. And it, it led to you, uh, you know, coming together with all these other witches who eventually, you know, formed this this little this little group that are like, yes, this is absolutely a thing. We know it's a thing and we know it works because we do it and it's working. Yeah, absolutely. And like there's so much crossover with um witches who share all sorts of types of belief like you can absolutely believe in like supernatural aspects of witchcraft and still utilize things that we're doing with placebo witchcraft like we're not trying oh, to yeah like, yeah we're not trying to like box ourselves in at all we're just kind of trying to you know figure out uh how our witchcraft works for us I think the more methods we have for, uh, as Lee Curtis Rogers is fond of saying, of, of doing the magical thing, um, the more methods and the more understanding we have available to us, the better and more rounded our uh, our practices will be. And I mean, I I am open with you know saying to people, I've been at this for you know the better part of two decades now, and I'm still learning things every single time I go to research a thing or talk to another practitioner 
or even just to, you know, look something up for the podcast. And I, you know, sitting in on these panels, I felt like a beginner again. And I mean that in the best possible way. I felt like I was discovering something new. And I felt that excitement again of, oh, this is a cool new thing that I never considered before that these other, you know, slightly more experienced or differently experienced folks have figured out and they're sharing it. And what a cool way of looking at things. This explains a few things. This makes other things make sense. And I've been employing uh, you know, some of the things that we talked about with just kind of going, yes, maybe I do know this is a, pl a placebo, but if it works, then it's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you do a little bit of digging into how placebos work, then you can apply that how it works to your, your ritual and your spell casting. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, with the study, um, it's imperative that the subject of the study understands the benefit of placebo and that it can work even though they know it's a placebo because the control group where they were told they were given a placebo but not about the positive impact they actually had a backfire placebo effect um, and oh. they actually felt worse so oh it's it's crazy that with placebo apparently it's all about the intention which with you know for spell casting we knew that all along <laughs> crossover <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Hey, actually, if there is an open label placebo that works for writer's block. I want it <laughs> and I'm going to try it and see if it works because, damn, it's it's been a rough year. We'll just put it, we'll just yeah. put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I know that my well will never dry. I know that there will always be something in the well. But, oh, boy, there's been a couple times where I raised that bucket up and there was nothing in it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and sometimes it's like, it's great if you know the well is full, but damn, is it hard to pull up that bucket. Right. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just, this is this seems like a lot of spoons that I just don't have right now. <laughs> yeah, come to the well another time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, you mean for my writing to be done, I actually have to write? Eh, seems fake. <laughs> <laughs> That's propaganda. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so you uh, you you mentioned your uh, your YouTube channel. What uh, what sort of things do you talk about on on your channel? Um, sometimes I talk about cosplay stuff, and I've reviewed a few made outfits. But for the most part, I talk about like atheist witchcraft practices um, and a lot of observations. So honestly, um, it's kind of embarrassing, but most of my videos are just like shower thoughts, you know, and musings. And I think, hey, that seems like a really deep thought or an interesting observation. I wonder how everyone else like feels about this. Or like, what if I just put this out into the ether and then see what other people like come back with? And so, yeah, it, that's that's what a lot of my videos tend to be is me having very deep conversations um, it's just weird because it's the internet. So I'm having that deep conversation <laughs> in an empty room on a microphone. But, you know, like you just send it out to outer space and it stirs up these conversations, which you'll eventually get back. But it's definitely oh, yeah. a weird practice to be in. <laughs> I I love that, honestly. I, I love the idea of putting, you know, like you said, shower thoughts 
mm-hmm. into a format where you can share them with other people because we all come up with, you know, the most interesting stuff while we're in the shower or similar environs where we can just sort of space out a little bit. And, you know, later on half the time we're going, ah, if only I could like remember that. So it's really cool Mm -hmm. that you're, you know, you're, you're recording that and sharing that and putting it out there. And yeah, even if it, if it seems silly at the time, you know, it's going to resonate with somebody and I can speak from experience. I have a podcast. (laughs) This, this thing, this thing started out as me just like spitballing and sharing, uh, you know, some of the content from stuff I had already written in an auditory format. And suddenly there was this whole other, you know, realm of people who picked up on it and went, holy crap, where has this been? I'm like, mm-hmm. um, on my blog and in my books, but now <laughs> it's more accessible. And, you know, you're doing the same thing with your YouTube channel, which is awesome because yeah. you have a lot to say that is incredibly interesting. And it's nice for us to be out here, like making this content. And it's great that you're doing it in different formats. So it's really consumable for different people in the way that they want to consume it. But it's so nice because people will ask me like, hey, what is another like, you know, source where I can hear more about this and like, you know, just get more ideas flowing around. And so it's really great that I can point them in your direction. Oh, I thank you. Of like a... a, a no a no bs uh witchy content creator <laughs> apart from the the literal bs free witch uh, podcast oh right right <laughs> oh no branding overlap sorry about that oh no it's fine we're we're, we're on the same network listen to the nerd and tie podcast network mm-hmm. uh that's that's fine we we do branding overlaps all the time trey is always very happy to have the network uh the network mentioned anywhere Mm. In in good terms. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, um, spoiler alert, I'm planning on doing a, uh, a little chat uh, in the near, near future about volunteer educators in the community and, you know, what it means to be one. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to include sort of a, a mini directory of just just some good witchy educators and content providers that I happen to know of uh, that I can direct people to. And I'm, I'm hoping to include, uh, you know, folks from from the SAS Witch Con and, you know, people I've spoken to or collaborated with in the past uh, in that showcase, including you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I, I love the idea of directing uh, other witches or just even people who are curious to good sources. Mm-hmm. That makes me like real, real happy because, you know, me, I, I love uh, I love research and I love helping people find stuff out. So this this is all speaking to me very strongly. <laughs> Yeah, my channel's not super research heavy. I do, if I do bring up anything, um, I do cite my sources in the description of my videos oh, if I do. <laughs> so you're not just throwing up an infographic and going, this right. meme says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no memes. And also I look for, you know, papers from reputable sources, you know, <gasps> studies with decent sample sizes and that are uh, peer reviewed or replicated, all that good stuff. Mm, so good. You you <laughs> actually roast memes from what I hear. Oh, 
I, <laughs> it's just my birthday last year. I was like, like we were talking about with the not bringing up anything in the bucket. And I was like, it's my birthday. And so I'm going to make a fluff video. And I just read some memes that I saw on the SAS Reddit. Oh, and also there's like, um, like witches versus the patriarchy or something. I don't remember what the title of the Reddit thread oh, is called, but I they have really great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I had some, and those were like not infographics, thank goodness, but they're just like <laughs> some silly pictures and words. And I thought, oh, I'll do this again. But to be honest, it's always the same memes over and over again. So probably a year later, if I wanted to do another recap video, it would just, it wouldn't be any fresh memes. It's all the same. <laughs> We just see the same memes over and over again. Somebody make some fresh memes for the the witch community, please. Right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, although I do love that uh, Mercury's on the Gatorade is uh, <laughs> is is becoming a thing. That's that yeah. is a newer meme, mm-hmm. I think, that's been going around and I'm really enjoying it. Mm hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's another play on that that I saw on TikTok of I need to find someone with a nose ring to tell me which planet is yes. making me sad. It's Earth. It's Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and same. <laughs> uh, I need a white girl with a nose ring to tell me which planets are making me sad. <laughs> yes. I like that we have the same uh, for you page, apparently. Yes. Yes. I, I think we I think we just might. Oh, oh, boy. Ah, the internet. It, it's give, it's giving us a very interesting uh, iteration of the witchcraft community in in a way that I don't think has really existed before, because um, you know information is just being shared so rapidly, and mm-hmm. more people are able to have a platform and a voice, and it does kind of create echo chambers, but it also you know encourages this you know, wide ranging conversation that more people can participate in uh, than ever before. And, you know, even if you're just sharing shower thoughts that are a little bit like philosophical and not necessarily heavy on the research, you, you can just like spitball with people and, and and figure things out that way. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think there are a, a lot of there's a lot of content that's being created out there. And I do I I do think that sometimes it maybe gets a little out of hand and we've all seen like some of the things that happen on witch talk and you know about the time when I feel like I want to roll my eyes I just have to remind myself that somewhere on the internet like somebody from the old guard that's a total stick in the mud also saw this and got really bent out of shape about it and that makes me laugh a little bit and feel a little bit better about the whole situation that and you know like we got to get those young people like riled up and give them a landing place because if they want to get into the witchy stuff, like we got to open the doors and make it accessible for them. Like we can't be gatekeepers of, you know, this ancient secret knowledge because that's, that's not how we're going to grow the community. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, as much as as much as I roll my eyes at Witch Talk some of the time, too, and I'm on it, so I can't roll them too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm also kind of going, you know, this is every new generation mm-hmm. of witches. This is every new generation 
of people who are interested in anything. They're more enthusiasm than knowledge or sometimes sense, but that is okay because they are just getting into it. They are just starting to learn. They're just starting to grow. And the stuff I did in my early days was every bit <laughs> as cringeworthy as anything you will find on Witch Talk. I freaking promise you. Um, <laughs> But the important part is, is that, you know, they're they're going to learn and grow from that. And the important part of, you know, ignoring like what exit did you get off the highway at is you're here now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we can help them find, you know, more resources and, you know, things that exist just outside of the uh, sort of social media and meme culture that, you know, gets passed around and around and around and like you said about memes kind of says the same things all, all the time, just in mm -hmm. different ways. We can direct them to where, you know, different things are being said to where more discussion is being had more long form discussion. And we can, uh, you know, kind of help them shape their own beliefs and uh, figure out where they want to go. Which yeah. is fun and cool. And I do think part of our job is to just expose things that are problematic. And I think the young people, they're, they've been around the internet, like they're pretty wise to like the social movements. So it doesn't take long to sort of pull, <laughs> pull back the curtain, I guess, on some of these um, more shady corners of, of witchcraft that tend to pull people in. Uh, I know like oftentimes it starts with like colloquial, like um, easy to digest, like words of wisdom that anybody can agree with. And then they sort of get roped down this rabbit hole and it can lead to some really toxic things. Um, I know like Oh, okay. So um, I was speaking with a young person and they were talking about how their sister was psychic or, and she just discovered that she was psychic and she's very like, um, she's having an awakening, like all, you know, very exciting stuff for her and that she discovered that she was a star seed and like, and then it gets into like, you know, the aliens thing. And then like, it really quickly sometimes goes to like, it kind of gets a white supremacy bend, <laughs> Right. I know. Yeah. And it's like and you can just get sucked down into that. And, you know, young young people might not make those connections because they don't realize like the I guess I mean, cults, they're cults that grew out of these ideas about like the Nordic aliens, you know, yeah. and then the, mm -hmm. the, the, the good aliens are like tall and blonde and then the evil aliens look a certain way. And like, I don't know what, if was it the seventies, when was this going on? And, you know, like, it's just all sort of springing back up again. And fortunately when you kind of, you know, you inform a little bit about that, they're like, Oh yeah, I can clearly see <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can kind of see the strings. You can see, mm -hmm. uh, the, the pipeline, as it were, because there is, um, you know, the, the 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 witchcraft movement and the New Age movement, the latest iteration of the New Age movement are inextricably intertwined. Mm -hmm. And that's just that is the way it is. It is the way it has been for, you know, 
since the 60s at the very, very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a little bit of a pipeline uh, from certain new age beliefs that goes from, you know, maybe some some self-help concepts and some, you know, actualization concepts and things that, you know, like I said, that intertwine with witchcraft and paganism, uh, you know, but then if you go too far down the rabbit hole or if you go into certain parts of that particular Warren, you end up believing in these conspiracy theories and uh, you get into really dangerous white supremacist and, you know, alt-right spaces, which are really gross and nasty. And I I really don't think I have to explain why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at even on the, you know, less sinister and violent end, uh, you know, it can lead to silly things like telling people that if they want to be a real witch, they shouldn't take their meds for <laughs> for mental health because, mm-hmm. oh, no, it's your you're an indigo child. You're a star seed. You know, if you're taking your uh, your meds for your, you know, your bipolar or your ADHD or or whatever, or even, you know, physical ailments, uh, it's. It's 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 blocking you from connecting with the great beyond or the source consciousness or or whatever they're calling it this week, mm-hmm. and it gets very dangerous very quickly. Right, and I would love to say, oh, if you like have a healthy dose of skepticism, or you know, like me as an atheist, which I'm really really skeptical, and I would love to say that that's an antidote against these sort of things, but unfortunately, it's not because if you look at like the atheist and the skeptical communities as well, you're gonna find the exact same BS. So the anti the antidote for it, I think is just to to educate yourself about it and to be able to spot it right away when when you're <laughs> when you're faced with it. Like um, talking about it, reading about it, and just being vigilant and on guard because, yeah, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. Yeah, yeah, it is. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you in part by Portland Buttonworks. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one but just been like, Darn it! If only I had the resources and equipment. Well, fret no more. Portland Buttonworks is just what you need. Portland Buttonworks creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their new Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items or order in bulk for merchandise or big events. I've been getting buttons from Portland Buttonworks for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the Hex Positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the newly rebranded Spiral House Shop, a thoughtfully curated catalog of pre-made buttons, zines, books, comics, tarot cards, and other curiosities, Spiral House focuses on intersectionality, the personal as political, witchcraft, magic, and occult topics. There's a good chance that they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Spiral House Shop at spiralhouseshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. 
fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast and would like to help support the show, make sure you visit the Willow Wings Witch Shop. There you can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework, or shop for specialty items you won't find anywhere else, like witch web kits, vials of my homemade banishing powder, and podcast merch. Use code HEXPOSITIVE to get a special surprise with your order. Visit brinagarin.wordpress.com shop and place your order today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now, back to the show. So to hop back into it, a minute ago, uh, we mentioned uh, ADHD in witchcraft. And that's something else we talked about at SASCON, which is, you know, as someone who has ADHD, it's a subject very near and dear to my heart. And uh, my my fabulous co-host from the Stardust Sessions, uh, Lazzy Stardust, she actually did a, a full panel on that. Yes. Yeah. And I, uh, my husband has diagnosed ADHD and because of that, like he has a lot of, um, like protocols that he puts in place, I guess, to try to keep some order in his life. Um, and also (laughs) it makes me very aware of the things that I do that I are clearly ADHD adjacent. So I've not been formally diagnosed with ADHD. However, I do benefit from some of these systems that my husband has shared with me um, to also try to keep my life um, from descending into chaos. But um, in education, we call that scaffolding when you implement something that helps one student because it's something that they need uh, to meet like their specific needs. And then it just so happens that it just makes good sense and therefore it helps everyone else as well. So in my house, we're... um, yeah, we're just trying to help each other stay somewhat organized. And it kind of led me to look up, hey, what sort of witchy things can I do for these ADHD symptoms? And and I found a lot of unfortunate videos and blog posts about, you know, how ADHD is based on diet or environment, like pollutants or too much iPad time and just ridiculous things. Um and how you could alleviate symptoms just through like a vegan diet or, you know, like limiting screen time or like you mentioned earlier, like going off your meds so that you could really like attune with these symptoms because like that somehow is going to make your life better. Um, you know, being more of like an indigo child. And it reminds <laughs> me if we can if we can meme a little bit more and go back to our um our for you page, uh, there's a TikTok that says, I can't, you know, I need to go off my medication because, or I can't take medication because it'll dull my spark. And then it's like my spark and it shows like, you know, their bedroom is completely trashed and (laughs) like, oh, maybe, maybe my sparkle isn't all that it's cracked up to me. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like sparkle is one thing, but 
my friend, you also need to function. Yeah, yeah, functioning is important. And I just like we we don't shame people who take, you know, insulin for their diabetes. Like, you know, if somebody is diabetic, we're not like, oh, you're sparkle. Oh, you should <laughs> You know, you're an indigo child. You should not take your insulin and you should, you know, go vegan and have less screen time. You know, like I just don't like it's it's unfortunate that some of these less visible um, things that we're dealing with, like people want to like diagnose or shame or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the, the brain is an organ like any other. And, you know, I, I always kind of laugh when people are like, it's all in your head. I'm like, well, yes, it's related to my brain. Where else is it supposed to be? <laughs> right. Like spleen. Literally, no. it's it's the brain. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. yes. And you that's why we need to take care of brain health and mental health mm-hmm. just as seriously as we take care of, you know, any other uh, part of our body. It's like, yeah, you, you, you brush your teeth so you don't get tooth decay. You, you know, you try and get a little bit of exercise so that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you keep your heart and your muscles in good condition. You know, you take your medication and practice healthy coping mechanisms and scaffolding, as you said, and, mm-hmm. you know, workable systems and everything so that you can function and have, you know, as happy and fulfilling a life as you possibly can. And, you know, we talk about the limits of of witchcraft and the limits mm-hmm. of magic. And, you know, while it's like, yes, we can do so much with it, we also have to have reasonable uh, sort of expectations, especially where, you know, quote unquote, curing things is involved. And it's like you can't cure this with yes. magic. You can't right. just... You know, oh, I'm going to go off my meds and connect to the wide, wide universe. And that's going to fix the fact that my brain can't make its own neurotransmitters. <laughs> no, that's that's not how it works. Right. Like somehow you must return to source to access mm-hmm. your neurotransmitters that are not quite functioning. Yeah, uh, I think that's the nail on the head is that we have to understand that the witchcraft doesn't cure, especially when you're, like you're talking about like a genetic disease that like yeah like this is something that you can alleviate symptoms you can you know you can improve symptoms but it's like as far as we as far as we know yeah this is not this is not a cure this is who you who you are like this is how your brain works (laughs) like you're not just gonna like you know yeah, a yeah. change of diet isn't gonna isn't gonna cure. And so I think that, you know, when you are dealing with something that you are gonna be dealing with for the rest of your life, and you know, it's very hereditary, so that you can look into your family and go, Oh yeah, I can see generations of people dealing with this for the rest of their lives, you know. And it's so it's I think it's really like belittling and can be insulting when people are like, Oh yeah, just this or that will change it. It's like, no, you don't understand. I I'm gonna have complex systems that I'm going to use for the rest of my life. Like it's a very serious uh, long-term thing um, and like the witchcraft not curing is the same as the placebo doesn't cure so like we can still follow that same blueprint of like this the 
the placebo doesn't cure a disease, but it can, it's proven that it can alleviate like symptoms. Like um, most commonly placebos are used to alleviate pain, nausea, anxiety, and fatigue. And, you know, on a pretty regular basis, I suffer from four of those five things. So definitely I can, (laughs) (laughs) I can get a lot of mileage out of some placebo effect. Um, And like, yeah (laughs) it's uh it's it's the old jar of dirt it's it's the old jar of dirt it's it's tia dalma being awesome it's you know here it's a jar of dirt you know well i don't want it does what does it do what does does it help well if you don't want it then give it back well no i don't want to give it back then it helps (laughs) then it helps so it's Mm -hmm. something that we can use alongside our science-based treatment like to exactly. enhance. Um, I call it my self-care with a little razzle dazzle. <laughs> it's like the sugar that helps the medicine that. go down. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. With a little razzle dazzle. Oh, that's <laughs> fabulous. Oh, and it is, it is so important to talk about things, you know, openly when it comes to, you know, mental health and science and witchcraft and all the ways that these things interact just mm-hmm. to, you know, like we said, help the newer practitioners and and even the more experienced ones uh, kind of avoid that new age pipeline from this seems rational and may help and it resonates with some things I already believe to, hey, how did we end up in science denialville? <laughs> Right. Whereas if we follow a blueprint for something like the placebo effect, then we can see like, oh, we can avoid the backfire placebo effect or we know the limitations of the placebo effect. Like we can have this framework to start from where we can really reduce harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I have his witchcraft. Should we talk about shadow work for a second? (laughs) I think we we may need to. Um, Yeah, that's definitely a buzzword. I mean, it's been around for a while, but I've been hearing it more and more. And um, Mm -hmm. definitely, like, uh, the more I research shadow work, like, there are definitely some darker sides, I think, to working with shadow work. And so I'm kind of working on maybe a script right now, and it may remain in the folder of things that I will never film (laughs) because it's something that's really kind of tricky to research and to keep actually educational. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I was talking about shower musings and like if you think my videos are silly, you should see the videos that are in the folder like titled things I'm never going to like film (laughs) on camera. (laughs) The the script folder of like too, too ridiculous or not very well researched. Or um, I tried to research this and I just kept falling down different rabbit holes. Um, Ah, the compost heap. The compost pile. So yes, there Mm -hmm. are some, there are some pitfalls with shadow work. There are some, it does get a little like messy um, and wild, but I think that the like surface level shadow work of, you know, self-reflection and pulling those strings, you know, on our bad feelings, because 
sometimes bad feelings can be really confusing. We can attach bad feelings where they don't even belong. And it's nice to pull the threads on them and figure out like, why do I feel bad about this? Like, where is this bad feeling coming from? And if you can kind of locate that, it's like, okay, how do I work through this? Um, And that can maybe get into the territory of like, you know, psychotherapy, which again can get kind of messy. Um, but definitely like reflection, self-improvement. And I was running into a lot of shadow work themes when I was working on myself for like self, um, I guess, self-improvement, self-love, self-forgiveness, like those types of things, which can be really hard work when it comes to spell work um, and really related to my glamour magic workings and so I started to kind of combine these two ideas I was thinking man I cannot do this shadow work without this glamour magic and I cannot do this glamour magic without addressing the shadow work like they were just really going hand in hand so I kind of thought like I think this is something like that I can really work into my practice and I I'm I'm coining it uh I'm going to call it shadow uh shadow glamour (laughs) oh i like that yeah so i made my first some razzle dazzle (laughs) exactly yeah so i uh, made my first video just about shadow glamour and mostly it was just me thinking like hey i think i might be onto something here but there's not a ton of content in that video so um i'm still kind of working on it Uh, but i think there's definitely something there that other people can benefit from people that maybe have suffered with like self-esteem self-love issues and you know like starting like maybe if self-love's not attainable like getting to like (laughs) self-neutrality i mean that's a step in a positive direction so yeah i mean by all means if if it's if it's a step in a good and healthy direction then you know yes by all means (laughs) um (laughs) And just to just to clarify, you know, we're, we're not saying that, you know, shadow work is inherently bad or dangerous or one of those things that it's like, oh, if you're a baby witch, don't do this. But, you know, with all the nebulous trappings of, well, then how do I figure out how to make it safe? Mm-hmm. I'll talk about that later. Another <laughs> topic for another day. Um, yes. If I can just like maybe tie a knot into that whole shadow work uh like tangent that I got into I think it just gets really into like put like um doing therapy on yourself which mm-hmm. see, can seem really harmless but honestly like therapy is legitimate like therapy is like legitimately a medical practice and is performed by medical professionals so uh you know you wouldn't do like surgery on yourself you wouldn't do like procedures on yourself so it we should be taking the same care when we're applying therapy on ourselves without guidance from professionals, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that you need like a degree or a certification. You need to like study in -hmm. order to do this. Yes. And so, so when we tell baby witches that shadow work might be dangerous, we're not saying it because you're going to like conjure demons, like from a past life or something. We're saying it (laughs) because, you know, you're administering a medical thing on yourself. So please be cautious. Yeah. And and also because even if you're just, you know, trying to help yourself by like examining, uh, you know, past bad experiences or bad feelings connected with something, if you pull on a thread and like unravel some past trauma, you know, reliving that in order to deal with it can be traumatic, which is why they, you know, they recommend that you do this 
in the company of or under the guidance of a professional, somebody who can, you know, keep you grounded and, you know, keep you from from spinning too far into that particular abyss and re-traumatizing yourself. That's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really that's... the danger that gets, you know, talked about with shadow work or maybe doesn't get talked about. Yeah, um, that's that's the crux of it is that you can yeah. you can re-traumatize yourself. Yeah. So and it's it's not like, oh, if you if you do this, it's definitely going to happen. You know, it's just something that if you're going to try this, if you're going to attempt it, if you're going down that road, it's something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, danger, unsteady ground ahead, that sort of. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's like when we talk about herbalism, um, you know, we're not, um, you know, cautioning baby witches. So like when we talk to baby witches about, and oh, I'm so sorry, I keep saying baby witch. I think it's really endearing um, and I would love it if somebody called me a baby witch. Um, but if there's somebody <laughs> out there that that's like nails on a chalkboard and I keep saying it, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I you know, I don't mind the term. I know there are some people do, who, who hate it, some people who love it. I usually just say like novice witches or newer witches just because okay. it's neutral. But if I mean, baby witch is really not that bad. I'm saying it in a very loving way. And obviously yeah. I am still like in that camp um but yeah (laughs) when we talk about like herbalism and how you must be uh cautious we're talking about like you know uh there are certain herbs that can like cancel out birth control like you know things like that that are really practical (laughs) and not necessarily like you're gonna get ghosts like that's how you get ghosts (laughs) do you want ghosts because that's how you get ghosts (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and it's it's important to know about like actual properties of stuff, whether it's, you know, hey, if you need to uh, if you're going to work with mugwort, you should be really careful if you have this particular set of allergies or if you're, you know, going to work with shadow work, you should be aware of these particular pitfalls. You know, it's good to let people know safety information just in case. Mm hmm. It always makes me think of that meme where the person is selling somebody a crystal ball and they're like, make sure you keep this covered up when you're not at home. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. because of the spirits? No, because it will burn your house down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the that's the viewpoint of witchcraft that I aspire to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just it's it's fun to have like the sort of out there, you know, slightly magical thinking type stuff that's sort of inherent in in the community and in the philosophizing that surrounds the concept of magic and witchcraft. But it's also important to keep at least one foot firmly on the ground Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to remember that even if we are, you know, practicing magic, even if we are connecting to whatever cosmic forces uh, we choose to identify or not identify with, uh, you know, what, whatever we are doing to empower ourselves in that regard, we need to remember that we do not exist in a vacuum. We exist in a physical world that has very real, you know, science attached to it. <laughs> and <laughs> it has, you know, phys- physics and chemistry and consequences mm-hmm. are still a thing. Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, you don't believe in them, they still happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to, uh, you know, to, to be safe in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, well, I think we can uh, we can wrap things up here in a minute. But there is one thing uh, that I did want to talk about very quickly. Uh, for those who who don't know you quite yet, uh, but hopefully they will uh, know you better and, and look up your stuff hereafter. Um, you are a bit of a fashionista. But not not in the sense of like, oh, this this, uh, you know, Sedna's going to have the latest on, you know, what's coming off the runways or, you know, everything that's going on at the Met Gala. No, no, no. You you have a very particular sort of niche where where you exist. Yes, uh, I, I'm into a hobby um, that is an alternative fashion. And here in the States, we call it EGL. But um, in Japan, uh, it's known as Lolita fashion. We just try to go away from that word because it has some bad connotations <laughs> uh, because of an unfortunate book and movie. But those two things are not related in any way, I promise. Um, it is, yeah, it is very frilly fashion. And like any other alternative fashion, it's definitely got like a counterculture sort of vibe. Um, but instead of being edgy because of like belts and, you know, spikes, it's edgy because of frills and lace and really obnoxious prints. <laughs> and the whole point of it is that it's cute. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is deliberately cute, like to the point of being almost saccharin <laughs> right right like it's so adorable like it's femme presenting dialed up to 100 to the mm -hmm. point where it is like maybe off-putting like it it's like asserting like dominance over your eyeballs <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh and i do recall that uh <laughs> when we did sascon and you had your panels and then you were like appearing on other stuff you, you did costume changes <laughs> in between in between the breaks yeah and i it I was didn't amazing say anything. i just did it and, to see mm -hmm. if anybody would notice uh, a and week that's after probably, the second one we did <laughs> it's part of the reason i mean it's sort of become a branding thing but i think the main reason that i started doing it was because i had gotten into the hobby just about the same time i started the youtube channel and as you might imagine like this is not daily wear i cannot wear this to my work <laughs> Like I only wear it to, well, okay, sometimes to run errands, but usually to like special events or to get togethers with other friends who are also wearing the fashion so we can travel for safety and mobs of ruffles. Um, and the mobs clothes are ruffles. imported, so they're a little expensive. And it's so mm -hmm. it's kind of a good way to, for me to justify my purchases if they pull double <laughs> duty, right? I can wear them out to these events, but I can also wear them on my channel. That's awesome. I, I love the phrase mobs of ruffles that oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. It's 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 like the sharks and the jets. But instead of snapping, mm -hmm. you all come rustling from the shadows. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And it would be big, wide, poofy dresses. <laughs> and it would instead of oh. sharks and jets, it would be gothic lolitas and sweet lolitas. So it'd be like pastel yes! versus black and white. <laughs> Um, oh, if anybody is interested in learning more about it, I think like a good pop culture like go to is there's this um, Tetsuya Nakashima movie from 2004 and it's called Kamikaze Girls. Nice. And it is. Yes. And it is about a Lolita um, who wears a particular brand. I think she only wears um, Baby the Starshine Bright, I think, <laughs> which the names of these brands by themselves are like 
delectable. Um, and she falls in love, or I, I guess I should say she becomes best friends with this punk girl. So it's definitely, <laughs> um, yeah. And oh, and it gets a three out of three on the Bechdel test. So like, it's a solid film. So check out this movie, um, become enthralled with the Lolita fashion, uh, Google your local community, uh, get dressed up and go have some like bubble tea or, mm-hmm. um, or coffee. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and just, I, just to reassure my, my, uh, my listeners, uh, this particular fashion is for everyone. It is for all genders. It is yes. for all people. It is for all sizes. It is mm-hmm. for all ages, certainly, because I am not young, as we had established earlier when I was talking about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yes, and, and the point of it is that it is not meant to be sexual or sexualized at all. It is the right. antithesis mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, some um, people will see these groups and they'll be like, it's so outlandish and it's alternative fashion. So immediately people mm-hmm. will be like, oh, is this a sex thing? You know, no. and which is ridiculous because like, I feel like, like no, no person like who would normally be like attracted to someone like <laughs> the way I present, I guess. Um, they There's no way they would find this attractive. Like this is, most people would find this the opposite. It, the, it's supposed to be like a bucket of cold water. Yeah. Uh, the people that were inventing this fashion were doing so to sort of reject the like very strict norms that were placed on f- feminine presenting people about like, this is how you should present yourselves. This is how you should look. This is how like men who want to consume you. This is how they want to see you. And it's like a complete rejection of all of that. So it can feel yes. really empowering and you're like physically taking up space too. Cause you're really fluffy. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. You have those, those beautiful, uh, you know, empire waists and baby doll dresses and just literally like yard wide ruffles <laughs> on either side of you. The dress does its own social distancing. It's glorious. And it's just, yeah, it's like armor. I guess anybody mm-hmm. that wears alternative fashion, like you think that you're going to be self-conscious because you're standing out a little bit, but it's it's the opposite. Like you feel so empowered. But yeah, 10 mm-hmm. out of 10, I recommend. If anybody right now is like having an inkling that they want to give it a go, like try it. It's super fun. Yes. And if you'd love to see uh, examples, you can tune into Sedna's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, where can they find you, by the way, on on the socials and on the YouTubes? Oof. Oh, my social is um, abysmal. <laughs> I have an Instagram <laughs> that I don't update. I have a TikTok that I have every plan. I'm going to make TikTok videos this summer, I promise. But it's just so intimidating because the content creators on TikTok, they're like so, they're like creating so much good stuff. And I just feel like I can't get my foot in the door of that. It's intimidating. Um, but my yeah. home turf is YouTube. So if you just search up Sedna Wu or even like Atheist Witchcraft, I will pop up. Um, and you can find me there and like comment on my videos and you can find my email uh, in my description and you can send me an email. And um, once in a while I pop up on the Reddit page for the SAS, which is um, just to <laughs> give my two cents in once in a while. Yes. And by all means, everyone, please do go and check out Sedna's channel. Uh, show her some love in the comments because uh, she really is just a fabulous person with a lot of really, really interesting 
things to say. So <laughs> go and hit up her YouTube, leave those comments so that the algorithm will love her as much as we do. <laughs> I'm I'm just doing my best. And, you know, if you watch my videos and you're like, this is terrible, you can also leave that as a comment, too, because oh, no, A, no. because I read my comments and B, because it still helps the algorithm, even if it's not a nice comment. <laughs> but we would prefer the nice comments. It's, it's good to say nice things. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, all right. Aren't we, aren't we all uh, light witches here? Just like <laughs> Love and light. Aren't we all love and light here? Come on. Oh, <laughs> Oops. I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> oh, and on that note, <laughs> I think we're going to wrap things up. Oh, thank you so much for, for joining me today. This is, this is, has been an absolute delight. Oh my gosh. The honor is mine. I am I'm, <laughs> I'm barely holding it together. I am so starstruck. Oh, <laughs> You're so sweet. All right. Well, folks, make sure you go and visit Sedna Wu's YouTube channel and enjoy all of the wonderful things she has to offer. And until next time, this is Bree and Sedna reminding you to believe in yourself. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garin on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hacks.